Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. The Guardian. Simply getting through a day in Gaza can be a struggle. But its residents aren't just surviving, they're attempting to prosper. Majd Masharawi is one of those people. Hi, Lisa. How are you? I spoke to her on Skype using part of the precious three hours of electricity her house is allocated daily. And before leaving Gaza for the first time... At just 24 years old, Majd has had several opportunities to leave the struggles of Gaza behind. But despite her various successes, she has always come home. Gaza City is the most cheerful city in the world. People are the most generous people and they just give without any limits. Uh, This is Small Changes, a podcast about how sometimes the seemingly smallest change can have the biggest impact. This week I'm talking to entrepreneur and engineer Majd Masharawi about making the best out of a tough situation. I'm Lucy Lamble. So it's like Gaza is is a closed area. Uh, we have the separation wall and the fence from the land, and we have another fence. Before we began talking about her studies, I wanted to know a little more about Gaza as a place. Like I met many many people in my life, like from many different countries, but I've never seen such a mindset for people in Gaza. It's so different. I don't know how to describe it, but those people you can find you can find out that they are super innovative, they are super smart, they wanted to give everything they have. They, they can fish, and, but they never had the opportunity to do the fishing. This is Gaza. The Gaza Strip spans 141 miles wide and is one of the most densely populated areas in the world. It's located on the eastern coast of the Mediterranean Sea, which for many places can be used as a source of food and transport, among other things. But access to the sea here is anything but easy. In, in Gaza, you can do fishing, you can do free trading. We have only two borders. One is for um, goods, accessing the goods, and the second one is for accessing the people, like patients under very strict special permits. And we had a third one, which is always closed, is with Egypt. In Gaza, if you decide to leave to study, you have to stay outside for a couple of years because if you will go back, you will not be able to leave. And if someone gets sick, you have to understand that if, if it's a small illness, it might become bigger because there is no good treatment for diseases. But in the same time, the Gaza beach is one of the most beautiful beaches in the world. And as I said, people are really the kindest 
ever. I wish one day you can come. What are opportunities like for, say, young people? There is really no life for young people here. Like, the young people is the most marginalised sector in the community. No one is taking care of them. No one is paying attention for them. And people outside, they think all what we need is just food and aid by the end of the day. But it's not true. What we need is someone who can invest in the energy of the young people, in the in the minds of those talented. And I tell you, if, if someone would put the money in the right place for those people, they would do way, way better. I wanted to know how, despite a severe lack of opportunities, Madge was able to start a promising career. She'd never planned to be an engineer nor start a business. But as is common in a lot of Palestinian families, her relatives had certain expectations. I, I didn't want to be an engineer in the beginning. I wanted to be a physician like Einstein. I had this dream when I was a kid. But like my family said, no, you will end up as a teacher. You have to be a doctor. And I said, I don't like medicine. And they said, no, you have to be the doctor. You are a woman. You can't be an engineer. Then I said that like the closest thing to physics is engineering. So let me just go to engineering and, and test the water, as they said. And when I entered the faculty, I found out my passion there. And I said, wow, this is what I should do since the beginning. Despite finding her true calling, things weren't always easy for the young engineer. So uh, the faculty had, like our civil engineering department had 218 were female and the rest were male. So you started studying engineering, but at what point did you learn such fluent English? Uh, one year, one year and a half ago, I, I couldn't just speak one full sentence. And I had a friend from Zimbabwe, she told me, Majd, if you wanted to deliver the message you have to the world, you have to speak the language of the world, which is English. And I said, well, it's too hard, it's too complicated, you know, we don't have any facilities here. And she said, if you have internet, you have everything. It was very helpful to, to, to speak English. At least people outside could understand how it looks like inside. Well, thank you for making that huge effort. And wow, all the time you were running your own business as well. Let, let's get into that. How do you go from having a good idea with a fellow classmate to actually working out if it's a viable business idea in the outside world beyond university? As I said, like no one is taking care of, of the energy of the people here. No one is taking care of, of our minds. So I decided to invest all of my efforts, my education, my time in making something that will help the people and will support young people at the same time. And when I was a student, I had this nightmare of being unemployed. Like Gaza had, has the highest unemployment ratio in the world. It's 43%. It's ridiculous. And it's 62% among young people. So I said, okay, I will never be unemployed. I'm not going to work in my dad's company because I don't like his field of work. And I'm going to do my own way. And, and in, the beginning, in the beginning, my colleagues said, you will never be successful. What you are doing is just a waste of time. You have to focus on either get married or find a job. Madge's father is also an entrepreneur. He runs a company that surveys lands for GPS services. But Madge was more interested in the recycling industry. She came up with the idea for Green Cake while still in university. So a Green Cake is a building a block made out of ashes and apples uh, from the demolished houses in Gaza. 
So mainly we, we, we have very limited access to building materials. As I said, we have only one border that can bring things inside Gaza. And building materials comes through this, this, this checkpoint. So this checkpoint is like it's controlled totally by Israel. And we don't have any control on it. So they decide when to get things inside. So people after 2014 war, they had no access to those building materials. I, I wanted to be self-sufficient community. This was my dream since I was a kid, that we can do many things using our own resources. And I decided to replace things that we import from outside by things that already exist in the market. At the same time, create eco-block that's environmentally friendly block and it would be affordable for people. So we replace the sand and aggregate we import from outside with the ashes that, that has no use in Gaza. It all goes to landfills and rubbles from the demolished houses. After the break, we'll talk about the difficulties that Madge face when trying to set up her company between logistical nightmares and judgmental family members. In Gaza, they think the woman is just only for the house. She has to take care of the kids, she has to cook, she has to clean. It's like I fight every day with the family, with my relatives, with the community around me to let me do the things I want. Don't go anywhere, we'll be right back. Life is made up of many gorgeous moments. Cherish them all, big and small, with Blue Nile. Whether it's for yourself or a loved one, Blue Nile's unrivaled selection of expertly crafted fine jewelry and statement pieces help make all your moments sparkle. Blue Nile's experts are on hand to guide you, and their diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Celebrate a life well-lived in the most radiant way and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com ACAST. Video games have never been bigger. But is there a sinister side to their popularity? On a physiological level, I would expect gamblers and gamers who are genuinely addicted is that they would have things like nausea, stomach cramps, hand sweats, the shakes, etc. And I've certainly found that in my work on gambling and gaming. Join me, Jordan Erica Weber as I listen to both sides of a decades-long argument that has come to a head as the World Health Organization has announced a new mental health condition called gaming disorder. If a parent or a loved one or, or a teacher sees a young person suffering, they might misattribute their suffering not to depression or to some biological cause, but to the, to the thing that they're using to cope. To have a listen, head over to theguardian.com slash podcasts. Or search Chips With Everything on your favourite podcast app. Welcome back to Small Changes. I'm Lucy Lamble. 
Before the break, we met Maj Masharawi, a young Palestinian who decided to use her skills as an engineer to set up a company that took rubble and ash from destroyed buildings in Gaza to create environmentally friendly building blocks. So you had this wonderful idea, but as you mentioned, it's not easy to make an impact under such restrictive conditions. What obstacles did you face when you were setting up your business? I don't know where to start from, but in the beginning, the biggest obstacle was in how to convince the community of what we are doing. Like, I remember when I went to collect the ashes, people will look at me in a very weird way. The second thing is, I, I couldn't find the previous data regarding this issue. Uh, I started to contact professors in Canada and India and in Saudi Arabia. They, they helped me a lot to understand the chemistry of the block. And yes, then after making more than like 150 samples, we got to the first successful prototype. There's something very special, but also quite hard emotionally about knowing that these blocks are, are, are made of rubble from buildings that have been demolished. What does it mean to you and, and the people whose, whose homes are rebuilt with these blocks? The house for the family in Gaza means everything. Maybe people outside, for example, in the United Kingdom, they change their houses per two, three years. But the house in Gaza is something you, you, you have it from your grand-grandparents. So when, when someone loses their house, they have no hope that this house will be rebuilt. There is 160,000 people on the list waiting for their houses to be rebuilt. So who am I on this big crowd? So what we did for people is we took the rappels, the house's rappels, we rebuilt new blocks out of it and we, res- we resold it to people at cheaper prices than the ordinary blocks. And what's it like being a woman working in the construction industry? It's really, really hard. It's, it's not easy. It's, it's not because only just the construction. In, in Gaza, they think the woman is just only for the house. They, she has to take care of the kids. She has to cook. She has to clean. It's like I fight every day with the family, with my relatives, with the community around me to let me do the things I want. They always, always tell me that, what are you doing? Your dad has money, you have a good house, you have a car, you should stay at home. Why you always take the, the, the hard path? People will, will never look, how did you do it? But they always focus on the results. So as long as you are in the, in the right path, and this is what I used to tell women here, that if you know yourself, you can do it. If you wanted to do it, you will do it. So despite various barriers that Majd faced, she ignored them all and got on with what she wanted. I was curious to know what had made her so determined. What it drove me is people. Like, you can't imagine how much I love people here. Every time I leave, I got like many opportunities to stay outside. And people outside tell me like, don't go back. You can work here. You can start a business outside. But this business started because of people. So how can I leave? Like, this, this was my goal. How can I leave my goal? If I will lose my goal, I will lose everything. You mentioned earlier that you'd been awarded the Japan Gaz Innovation Challenger Award. You've also won an award from the Emirates for for energy. You've been selected on the MIT Enterprise Forum for the Pan Arab region for your in, in the social enterprises track. What has it meant to you in practice? It meant that everything is possible, and it meant that people outside respect what you do inside. When I got the Japan Gaza Innovation Challenge in that time, 
I was stopping the project for a couple of months because I couldn't afford it. I had many financial problems. I had many pressure from the community. So when I saw Japan Gas Innovation Challenge and my friend was convincing me to apply, I said, okay, I will give it another try, like a final try. So when we won, people there just, they believed in you for the, for the, not for the fact who you are, but for the fact of what you are doing. What kind of perspective has traveling been able to give you? It changed my whole life. For someone who lived 23 years in an open-air prison, I had no idea how it looks like outside. I had no idea how do people look like. I had no idea of the streets, of nothing. It just like opened many doors in, in front of me. Do you, do you think the daily pressures from family in the community would ever actually make you stop? <laughs> the pressure makes me more dedicated to achieve my goal. You know, very simple things happen every day. For example, if I wanted to post a photo of, of me at work in social media, you can't imagine, like, I will have a fight with my uncles. I will have a lesson and traditions from my, <laughs> my family and how to use the social media and what should I do and what I shouldn't and who I should talk to. If I have a phone call with like one of the guys who's working with me, I have a fight. So it's like, it's funny that how, how they don't appreciate the work, but they just appreciate the traditions. And I told them, like, if you wanted to talk to me for like the hundred, the coming hundred years, I don't care about traditions. What I care about is people and I'm doing things I feel comfortable doing. What's your dream for Gaza? It's to be free. I want to be free. I wanted to tell you something like, like happened with me. So my mom had a problem in one of her eyes and she lost it in 2013. And since 2013, we were trying to get her out for medication, like for basic thing, for basic humanitarian thing. And after four years, they said, we can make a medical operation for her. And after pushing and pulling, we, we successfully got her out like three weeks ago. And the doctors, they said in Turkey, they said, sorry, like this operation might not be successful. This should, this should have, have been done four years ago. So people here like deserve to have a good life. And we didn't choose to have this life and we should fight for it. And we can't fight alone. If you liked this episode, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and drop me a line at podcasts at theguardian.com. You can also join the conversation on Twitter. We're at Guardian Podcasts. Small Changes is produced by Danielle Stevens. I'm Lucy Lamble. Thanks for listening. For more great podcasts from The Guardian, just go to theguardian.com slash podcasts. 
or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.